This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Just waiting for your point. <laughs> All right. It's that time again. We're back on the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay, here in the Brewing Network studios in the daytime, downtown Concord. Very excited. Here with Bevo. Hey, Bevo. Hi. Very I quick. Thinking, I was thinking that if I'm going to do this show, I feel like it should say, Welcome to the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin and Beverly Moore. I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> wow. From absent to full co-host status. Full. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to do anything extra. I just want my name included. And there's Scott. Scott's on the mic, too. Hey, what's happening? Scott's name is included. It's just Jay. Yeah, I know. But I acknowledge you guys right at the top. You do. I'm, I'm only kidding. Yeah. Just Actually, right I don't want top. my name in it because I want to just fade into the background. Yeah. <laughs> and out the door. <laughs> she ducked as she said it. It's fun from this this chair too. She kind of slowly. Mm-hmm. You see the eyes disappearing under the it's desk. Like the Austin Powers going down yeah. in an elevator behind the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Timely reference. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now she's doing the stairs. Oh, the stairs. Can we get the I canoe? Can't, this is as low as I can go. Can you do? Can you, can you do the canoe? No. That's the easiest Wait, one. Is it, is it? Yeah. That's, no, the that's one, great. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> that's solid. That's good podcasting right there. Uh, yeah. Visuals. <laughs> and I'm not on camera not at on all. Camera. Yeah. So that's Bevo. Co-host. Co-host of the show, Beverly Moore. <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> no, this is Bevo in a nutshell. <laughs> they both did it simultaneously. <laughs> oh, man. Where's the okay. TV show? Messed up my notes here. <laughs> uh, tonight's guest. I'm sorry. Bevo. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to do, uh, we're going to dip into our mailbag, do some Q&A. We've got mail. I love Bush. Okay. You already have a tagline, Beef. I love Bush. She's happy about that. Uh, if you're happy about that, contact us. 888-401-BEER. We're, not, we're on, uh, as I alluded to earlier, at a, a new time now, a little earlier in the day. Um, probably, probably more convenient for, I don't know. Well, it is more convenient for us. I know that, but... I guess people on the East Coast, maybe. You know, yeah, they're, earlier. Sure. They're getting out of work right now. So, you know you want to call us on your drive home, <laughs> and now you can't. Yep, so. use that hands-free. Dial up 888-401-BEER. If you're not into that, you can join us in the chat room. You can email us uh, in between shows, and that's what we've we've hoped that you've done. So, we're going to draw from those questions today. You can email Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com or myself, Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us 
thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. You can see Bevo in a nutshell. Bevo in a nutshell. Usually. If you want to just hear us not describe that, you can listen live on the Brewing Network app. Just search BN Mobile in the search bar of wherever. Subscribe to us. Leave feedback on the Apple Podcast app or iTunes. I still haven't figured it out. Or Stitcher or wherever you get that kind of stuff. And with that, Scott, I believe it's time. Review of the week. It's a new uh, intro for the review of the Fortnite. What? I, let's, let's play that one more time. I got We got to de- deconstruct that. Review of the week. <laughs> I couldn't stifle myself. It's not a clean take because I'm there in the background, but it's solid. That's pretty good. It's That's solid. Uh, Veronica Vega from <laughs> Deschutes. Yep. Yeah. And then me doing, like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a little Ferris Bueller's in there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Bom, bom. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little whammy bar. The review of Fortnite comes from Wheeze. Wheeze says, a five-star review. He said, I just recently started listening to this hour, and I'm amazed with the amount of information most, in parentheses, episodes have. <laughs> <laughs> What's even happening on the session, question mark? The only thing you need to know uh, is two brew guru commercials per episode. Okay. I'm working on a lot of sours this summer. Looking for low-acid boat beers, he says, for uh, nice. South Florida summer. Definitely adding some fruit to some. He's a great show. Trying to listen to listen to them all. Trying to listen to listen to them all. 100 proof by 88 Fingers Louie. I believe this is a suggestion, and then he signs it, Mike Snow, Snow Trappe Home Brewing. Okay. Slightly confused. A little, but a little convoluted, but thank you, Just Snow. a reminder, you can leave us that feedback, and we're looking for uh, show rejoiner songs. So if there's a song out there that you think would be cool to hear us play for a few seconds and then talk about, but then later in the show <laughs> use it to, to come back in from break. Yep. That's what we're looking for. So We are. And uh, we found 88 Fingers Louie thanks to uh, Snow Trap Homebrewing. So here's Let's a little a taste little, of little that. Taste. A little punk rock. Lyrics come in somewhat quickly, but I yeah. like I like the vibe. I, yeah, I could use like one more, whatever. Like, Another bar. Yeah, yeah. Bar of just the guitar. Sure, that was not good. It's solid though. You know, I can it's good. I can probably mess with it and you know pull the guitar solo and uh, you know work a little magic and uh, make it into a rejoin. Yeah, solid well, suggestion. That's eighty-eight fingers, fingers Louie. Louie, one hundred proof from Weeze. We uh, suggested, suggested. It, yeah. Uh, not to be confused with 22 Fingers. Remember that group? No. Oh, yes, you do. No. Uh, like Short, Short Man? Come on. No. Bevo doesn't either. Was it oh, 20, tw- 21 short, Fingers? Short, 20 I, Fingers. I remember Short, Short Man. This was like uh, mid-90s modern rock radio. Not hitting me yet. Wait, it just gets better. Wait till they... It's poetry. I was going to say lyrics, but wait for their poetry. Oh, okay. (laughs) You remember this one? (laughs) Don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. 
masterpiece. It's amazing. <laughs> First Beethoven, then Bach, and then 20 fingers. 20 fingers. Yeah. Wow. That is a perfect, like, I would, I'm going to Google where are they now. Literally, <laughs> yeah. right let me this know. second. Let me know. Let's tease that update coming in the third segment. Got it's it. going to be our new segment, Bevo Google Something Obscure. <laughs> co-host Bevo. My computer's probably riddled with viruses. <laughs> hey, if you're going to be co-host, you got to, you know, get your own segment in here. So, all right. Last show, Bootleg Biology. Yes. Great show. Awesome. So, listen to that. And update since the last show, I got nothing. What do you got? I think we both uh, took some some trips away from away from the homestead. Yep. So you weren't doing too much brewing because you were flying and lounging and mm-hmm. vacating. Yeah, and uh, I I don't nobody cares about my vacation because I wouldn't if I'm home I'm not brewing. So it's like well sure. who cares if you leave? But you <laughs> left and I mean that's a good question though. Like I guess you trust your team obviously to mm-hmm. do basically front to back a- anything any uh, part of the process. You're comfortable letting them do without you. Is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how long would you feel comfortable leaving for? Like a month? I mean, where would you start to be like, Mm. no, no, I got to be back? Two weeks. Okay. Really? I just don't want to be gone that long, basically. Yeah. I think I'll be gone two weeks later in the year, going down to the Australian National Homebrew Conference. Shout out. It's going to be in Melbourne. Are they still calling that one NHC? ANHC? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So they could. <laughs> They're OGs. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be about two weeks. So looking forward to that. But, you know, I saw I, where I was was uh, in Mexico, and I wanted to shout out a couple of uh, great beers that I had. One is actually a um, Tijuana brewery that we had a bottle of. Actually, on the show, I brought it back from San Diego, met some of the brewers down there. I believe that was Insurgente. Yeah, oh, yeah. You sure. remember that? Yes, I do. So I had another beer because I just saw there. there's like a one place with craft beer. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm down with that. Right on. And then I uh, saw another beer that was an IPA or double IPA that had won silver, I think, at World Beer Cup or JBF. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely getting that. And it was Aguamala IPA. I think that's a little south of Tijuana. So shout out to... The Mexican craft brewers who are doing a good job out now, there. Were those? Now you weren't near Tijuana. You were. Near I was on Cancun. the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. in Quintana Root. So was there? You found their beer on at places. In, it was bottles, but or, yeah. bottles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Well, that's cool. There were places stocking craft beer from across the country, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So uh, you know, I'm always going to offer that craft beer in a different country. It's right fun, on. So. What condition was the beer in? Were like the places storing it right? It still tasted good. It wasn't weird or old or oxidized or anything. The IPA I had was was really good. I think it was about a month old, tasting great. Nice. And then, uh, let's see, what style was the other beer? I'm trying to remember. It's a Brett beer. Can't remember the style, but it was a beer that like was suitable for a little more age. I was, and that one I couldn't. I was trying to decipher the code on the. You know, sometimes there's a timestamp. Yeah. On these bottles, but they right. kind of scramble it. Yeah, right. To sometimes it's like the day of the year, so it says like. 256. Oh, interesting. Siri, what is the 256th (laughs) day of the year? Yeah, let's let's see. What is the 265th day of the year? All right. That's December 31st. No, wait. No, that's 365. Shit. Did someone come up? No, it went to the year 260. It didn't quite understand that question. Anyway, uh, anyway. I, I never you know. You know what I'm talking. I know about exactly now. what you're talking about. And in fact, I never knew. I I assumed that non-clear, you know, like month, day, year, or day, month, year. Mm-hmm. I always thought anything other than that was just some 
you know, barcode or something I didn't know. I didn't right. know there were other forms of date stamping, like yeah, you the can kind of mask of it because you know you don't want to. If let's say it is out there, you know, you can kind of hide. Some people want it like boom, this is it, and if you find it past this, let the retailer know or whatever. I think other people keep track a little more covertly. So, are you required to date stamp? I see no, plenty of no. bottles with no date stamp. No, you're not required, but it's it's good for um, tracking your your quality out in the field, and sure. um, and yeah, it can be a bonus to the consumer. Sure. Yeah. I think so. The first brewery you mentioned was it uh, uh, the, the first one brewery, yeah. Insurgente. Is that Insurgent? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I met that those guys. Uh, yeah, at BNA Date Nine in San Diego. Yeah, down mm -hmm. at the waterfront. I remember meeting their crew, and uh, they were awesome. Yeah, they were all so great nice. guys. Yeah, you yeah. remember them too, Beeb. Yeah, they and were it's September twenty second. Almost my birthday. Oh, the 265th day of the year, September 22. Yeah. There you go. So that, anyway, yeah, that would be like the code conversion. So sometimes I'll see that in the store and then like, yeah, look it up on my phone and see how long ago. It. But it changes per year. Yeah. Oh, slightly. But Just I mean, in general. So you know what, you know, uh, what does that are uh, eggs. So, you know, you go to buy eggs sometimes and they have this stamp on the side, right? This is like best buy, but you can also see how fresh they are by, there's like a, day code on them too oh. and that's like when they did something else anyway. interesting and sometimes that's better for eggs okay hmm. i never looked uh, that closely at it yeah i always just assume like how old could they be i mean they're not two months old sitting in costco you know yeah i don't know this first show over yet yeah, yeah. eggs we talked about <laughs> eggs we talked about a lot of things um <laughs> i asked you about some beers well since it's uh q a it's a mail show uh let's get some mail and you know both of these shows all the questions are going to be brought to you by Dr. Lambic and his team at SourBeerBlog.com. Check out the articles on SourBeerBlog for a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend your sour beer at home. And now the Sour Beer Blog crew is opening up a brewery and tap room in central Pennsylvania. Check them out. Mellow Mink Brewing at MellowMink.com. So here's the first email of the mailbag show from Guillermo. He says, hey, guys, my name is Guillermo. I'm a home brewer in Michigan. I love the Brewing Network and all you do for the community. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Guillermo. He said, I have a question about fermenters. I want to start brewing some sour beers. I like the idea of letting them age and blending them, but I only have three fermentation vessels at the moment. I keep them full of fermenting wort most of the time. Seems expensive to buy a bunch of fermenters just to age the sours. I can get my hands on a bunch of five-gallon isopropyl alcohol containers from work. He said, I've attached a picture. I'll show you in one second, Jay. Uh, he said, uh, not sure if this would be a good option. I've looked it up online, and it seems like it would be fine. Of course, I would clean them very well and throw them out after using them. Could you let me know if this would work and the best practices for using this kind of container or if you maybe have a better solution I was thinking of using one-gallon wine bottles. They come full of cheap wine for about 15 bucks at the supermarket. Lull. Thanks for your time. Uh, so here is the picture of what he is describing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's like a sort of squarish plastic, you know, whatever, bucket. Mm -hmm. Nice profile alcohol. A little, like, cube. Yeah, kind of right. Thing yep. With a handle on the top. Yep. It's great that you have access to those, but... I think they're going to be too oxygen permeable, just like any other kind of plastic carboy. Really, if you're going to do long-term aging of sour beer, you want glass, metal, specifically stainless steel or oak in like kind of a larger format. So, you know, you're in Michigan. I know it's expensive. You, you 
should have access to those things. It just reminds me because I was thinking about the the Brazilian uh, homebrewers conference I went to, and they have a really hard time even sourcing any of those things to try and make their beer. So it can sometimes be a lot of plastic. So if you have access to it, it's sort of worth it. That's not like the best answer I could give, but I mean, you can always try it. I would just keep tabs on it because you introduce oxygen in there too quickly and it's really going to get away from you fast. So what about those wine bottles? I like that idea. It's just, you know, I think one gallon at a time is tough, but I'd prefer to do that than to do the plastic. So just just drink like 20 gallons of wine real quick. (laughs) Done and done. (laughs) Don't do that. But yeah, I think that's a, that's a good idea to do the, the glass. So let me ask you this. The oak barrels, you know, in a large format are not oxygen proof, right? They let or they are. No, they're, no, they're not. They right? like micro oxygenate the beer. Which yeah. is actually uh, something you guys work with and use to your advantage, right? Yeah, you do want that. And the reason it works out is because it's such a large amount of beer to the ratio of the surface of the oak barrel. Right. Now, it, you know, we've talked to people who do it with five, like five gallon oak barrels. I think that's a challenge, but people are pulling it off, but you're getting so much more oxygen even in that. So it just kind of depends on how much beer you're actually doing that with. So you're basically saying the these buckets are far more oxygen permeable, or at least there's more like liquid surface to size of container yeah. ratio mm-hmm. to where it would be just way too much oxygen. I think it will be way too much, but I'm not saying absolutely don't do it, mm. but just know that that you know that's your biggest risk on those and keep an eye on it and see if it works be ready to dump five gallons if you have to what would be a quick note to somebody with a smaller format oak barrel or maybe guillermo decides he wants to try this anyway Mm -hmm. you know they can do what to try and deal with that extra oxygen keep an eye on it and don't age it that long don't count on aging it for you know six to twelve plus months I'd, i'd go you know not quite week to week, but fortnight to fortnight, if you will. <laughs> okay. And then just get it into like a keg or something, you know, sooner, much sooner than you If you, you have would. a keg, that's what you should be using for sure. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that it's going to go into bottles okay. after that. So. Gotcha. By the way, bottle, that's glass. So, you know, if you could find a way to kind of do an early inoculation and have a long bottle aging, long conditioning thing. That's a cool idea, too. All right. Good luck, Guillermo. Let us know uh, what you end up doing. Yeah, thanks, Guillermo. And with that, should we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishev, and I love a bold, hoppy beer when it spits resin in your face and makes you cry, uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers.
good one. So a reviewer suggestion. This Jeff, one? Yeah, this is uh, Jeff Beck. You know what I mean. Nice. Let's do a few seconds. Solid tune. That was real nice. Yep. Yeah. We're back. Sarah. And thanks to some of our other great sponsors like Oregon Fruit Products. OFP. Their aseptic purees are easy to use and convenient to store. No additives or nor or artificial neither, neither nor flavors. Either or. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Check them out. Fruitforbrewing.com, Oregon Fruit. They bring fruit to life. And listen to other BN shows. Oh, including, by the way, yes. yeah. the newest BN show, which uh, aired its first episode just a few days ago. Beers and Bikes. Yes. Bikes right. and Beer. Bikes and Beers. Yeah. Live from Fort Collins. Yes. Out of the uh, the tap room over there, or the uh, the Brewing Network satellite headquarters, mm -hmm. I guess. Yep. Yeah. HQ2. Right. Um, <laughs> Logan and uh, Lindsay. And Zach are doing a show out of uh, out of Fort Collins, and it's uh, the newest edition of the BN, and uh, they they did a great job. They sound awesome. They've been doing a radio show out in Fort Collins for a number of years, um, so they are uh, no strangers to the microphone. And uh, Lindsay is uh, the head of 3-4 Beer Company out there, so uh, she knows her beer, and uh, the other guys, uh, they know their bikes, and it's, it's outdoor living, and it's beers, and it's a good time. It's a, a breath of fresh air. For the Brewing Network. Uh, always fun to get a new show on. So yeah, check them out. Yeah, looking forward to checking that out myself. Should I add that to my list? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Bikes and beer. Yeah, so it can be like, uh, check out uh, the session Dr. Humber Brewing with Tyler Brewing. And, and bikes and beer. Bikes and beer, live from Fort Collins. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Say your phone. <laughs> no, that was a sound effect for emphasis. Ding. It was perfect timing. <laughs> That's the, hey, I'm trying to pass you on a bike in Fort Collins. <laughs> yeah, the bike bell. Exactly. <laughs> ding, ding. All right, uh, and you're going out to Fort Collins here. Yeah, so. I'm leaving tomorrow. Be out yeah. there for a little nine-day stretch. I'm going to try and organize a, a hop grenade poker game. Oh, uh, Fort Collins. One? Yeah, yeah, in the nice. tap room there. So, you guys play poker? Shout out. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. De details will will follow on that. But trying to bring my uh, my two loves together: craft beer and poker. Okay. Got the Danica here. <laughs> yeah. I think she's the one who's ringing the bike bell out two, there. Two out of the three. Yeah. <laughs> trying to save you there. That's oh, I see. That's what we're Danica, yeah, poker, oh, yeah. and beer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, huh? Who? <laughs> what? Scott, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here uh, is a question. Back to the mailbag. Mike from New Jersey says, hey, Scott and Jay, I'll start with the usual smoke blowing and say that I love both the show and the very few rare barrel bottles that I can actually get my hands on. He said, being from New Jersey, that is not an easy task. I have a question regarding a sour beer that was brewed nearly three years ago. About 10 months ago, my brother alerted me to a three-gallon carboy of sour he brewed and forgot about in the basement. Never they're heard really, of that. They're taking the page out of your book, man. You're a very influential guy. Uh, inspecting the beer, I found a dried airlock and a pellicle a solid inch thick. I thought it was a goner. Upon tasting it, however, I found the beer still held up with no off flavors, but it was lacking some flavor flavor. I decided to re-ferment uh, the beer on three pounds of blueberry puree. The beer sat on the blueberry puree for about three months in the low 60s. There was no more airlock activity, and I put the beer in a chest freezer to cold crash, and this is where things got weird. I left the carboy in the keyser for about five more months. Why? I don't really know, except I knew the beer would not go bad in the low temperature environment. 
When I took the carboy out to finally get ready to bottle, I took a gravity reading and found an astoundingly high 1018 final gravity. I knew the culture in the beer had gone through way too much in the past three years to be reliable, especially for carbonating in the bottle, as well as making sure the beer finished out. So I added a hydrated pack of Red Star Champagne yeast to the liquid at 50 degrees. This did not create any fermentation, so I thought maybe I had shocked the champagne yeast in the 50-degree beer. I let the beer reach 70, then I pitched more champagne yeast, and I let it sit for the past two to three weeks. There has been no change in anything, and the champagne yeast has mostly become sediment at the bottom. Do you think it is safe to bottle this beer even with that high of a final gravity? Again, 1018. I have heard as high as four Play-Doh before, but even uh, this is slightly higher than that. He said, I can call in to describe more in person if you think that would help. Yeah, if you're out there, Mike, always good to have you on the line. But yeah, what do you think, James? It's an excellent email. Great detail. Thank you, Mike. Now that I've complimented you, now I'll rip you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, the, the one piece of information that I'd love to know is the gravity before the fruit was added. If we know that, then we know how much of the 1018 mm. the blueberry has contributed to the beer. Mm-hmm. Because perhaps it was fermented out. And that's what you have residually from the initial sour beer fermentation. And you just dumped a bunch of fresh sugar in there that never got eaten. Right. right. Yeah. And so 1018, that's like 4.5 Play-Doh, I think, something like that. That's pretty high. So I wouldn't package that. And one thing you can try to do is what we do with our bottle conditioning, which is uh, if you go back to the Dr. Matt Bachman, Bachman You're podcast. exactly right, by the way. Four and a half is 1018. Okay. Yep. Oh, the terminal acid shock show? Yeah, or the Chase Healy, the American Solera one, where we discuss his interpretation of using that in a practical way. You'll get some background, but basically you want to temper or condition your yeast in between adding it to the beer. So imagine you rehydrated your champagne yeast. You want it to prove itself in a few ways. One is can it ferment whatever sugar you're going to bottle with. So for us, that's dextrose. You see proof of that? Okay, move on to step two. Can it ferment that dextrose in the presence of some sour beer? Actually, if you want to see more about our process, you can go to therarebarrel.com slash blog. I think it's just our blog on therarebarrel.com. I might have gotten the URL wrong, but that's that's where it is. And look for our terminal acid shock bottle conditioning write-up. And yeah, and then if, if the yeast proves itself then, then it's going to be ready to ferment sugar in the presence of acid. Now, in this case, you're looking for it to ferment perhaps sugar that the fruit contributed to the sour beer, which is not the same as dextrose. So there's where you get, it gets a little bit trickier, but if it does continue to ferment in the presence of sour beer, then you kind of add that yeast. It'll overcome the shock of acid. So, you know, you mentioned before, hey, did maybe the you added the yeast at 50 degrees, and that didn't work, and then you adjusted to 70. Same, same principle when it comes to temperature, acid, and in other examples, alcohol as well, higher alcohol beers. So just remember, to, even though it's champagne yeast, it's possible it's not quite ready to be introduced into such an acidic environment. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, if you want, write back or give us a call and let us know if you know the original gravity and then try out that little extra yeast prep step. But if it tastes good, I mean, it's too bad people can't just throw things on tap that easily sometimes. But it sounds like he has a a freezer kegerator. Is that what a keyser is? Yeah. Yeah. So throw, throw it in a keg? I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. Why, as far as the yeast is concerned, is the sugar from the fruit different than dextrose? 
Well, so there's complex and simple sugars, and they come from different sources. So you've got fructose and glucose, maltose, and all these different sugars that come from the beer making process. So they're both simple sugars, but they're just different sugars, basically. Does that make sense? Well, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Glucose but, versus right. fructose, for example. So they're just like, they're just different. So really it's just the yeast hasn't proven that it's fermenting fructose necessarily. You won't really know the difference. I mean, you won't be able to say, unless you have sophisticated lab equipment. Oh, now it's, yeah, it's proving that, see, this is what the fructose level started at. And now here's where it is now. So, but you won't really have to prove it if, if it survives in the beer and lowers the gravity, that's how you'll know. Are there rules of thumb like, oh, yeast has a, you know, easier time eating through dextrose than it does fructose? Or does it just vary by strain? I don't know amongst the simple sugars if there's that big of a difference. It's possible that there is, but um, obviously the more complex carbohydrates, you know, those are those are a lot harder to get through. Right. And some Saccharomyces can't get through them where, you know, the wild yeast bacteria that we use in sour beer making can get through them, which you know, again, can be a part of the trouble of when you have a 4.5 Play-Doh beer that you're trying to bottle condition. But you're on the right track, Mike. Sorry, maybe couldn't be totally as helpful on that, but uh, hopefully you can try it. You could, that's another thing to try out. And um, yeah, write us back and let us know how that goes. Righto. Thanks, Mike. So before we get to the next question from the mailbag, I'd like to ask you about this rare barrel beer that I have mm. in my glass. It is delicious. <clears throat> It is uh, another uh, sour saison. Or are you are mm -hmm. you branding it as a saison or a sour saison? I don't know. What does it say on the menu? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on the Brain Network Studios menu. Uh, yeah. Let me pull that up. Yeah, on the, on the studio kegerator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's got lemongrass and yep. sumac in it, and uh, both of those are just like non-lemon, lemony ingredients, basically. Mm-hmm. And. I think it came out just wonderful. It's it did. Got, it's, it's awesome. It's really got, like, to me, and, you know, I don't want to be, like, bombastic or anything, but uh, it's got, like, a goozy twang to me. Yeah, you're right. It does. It has that yeah. uh, a little bit in the in the background that sort of, uh, I always say charcoal, even though that's not right, but that's mm -hmm. always how I've thought of that goozy thing mm -hmm. that is unique to goozes. And you're right. How, do you have any idea how that happened? Could be a lot of the base beer. I don't particularly remember trying the base before we added the secondary ingredients so i'd have to ask the the staff if they when, when we pick that up but i'd guess it came from the base beer but this is just so much more than we usually get of that that perhaps it's the ingredients yeah leaf in the grassland is branded up there as a tart saison with lemongrass and sumac so sumac is an interesting one i don't believe i've ever had a beer with sumac in it had you and what would like? No. What did you? What was your experience working with it? And how did you add it? And what did what did that look like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Mexico, man. <laughs> My team did it. Yeah, I was not here for the processing on this one, but you know, as far as I understand, it's like a berry that gets dried up and used in sort of like southeastern Asian cuisines, and tart, which you know obviously goes well with a lot of our beers, has like a, a lemony thing going on and. 
Yeah, maybe that's. I need to isolate that out because uh, I really like this beer. I do too, and maybe that is what's giving it that uh, goozy uh, bite. It's time for our all sumac brewery. The, the rare sumac. <laughs> yeah, we do have um, one day. One thing I'll I'll plug, although it's coming up probably too soon for people out there. But we are hosting uh, at the Rare Barrel the Allagash Saison's Day this Saturday, and uh, we're thrilled and excited to do that. First off, I think we have like. 24 saisons from like 18 breweries or something insane like that and we have um rob todd from allagash is coming out to the rare barrel to be in attendance for that we had jason perkins last year so we're honored by their presence and their interest in promoting saison at our brewery and we're happy to do it and this beer will be featured there hey this is rob from allagash brewing nice there he is, he's yeah. coming out <laughs> Sweet. If you feel like re-recording that, you can show up. <laughs> Great time. You got another collab going on? Uh, no. Just made a bunch of saisons for Okay, it. okay. Yeah. I say another. You did do a collab with them, did you not? Or am I dreaming? No. You're like, I don't know that either, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's my team. Checked out years ago. <laughs> um, no, we might have made a collab saison maybe with like, I mean, we've made a few beers like that with Cellar Maker. Haha. But no no uh no allagash. Oh, okay. Well that seems like uh you know We should do. It's due. We should do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. I'll add it to my list. I'll talk to Rob about it. <laughs> hey, this is Rob. Oh, let me let from me just Allagash. pick up that name I just dropped here. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Carney, All right, here's an email for you. Right. <laughs> from uh D Woolno, I think. How are you guys doing? I just started listening to your show last week. I'm on episode three. I should be caught up in no time. <laughs> I notice, uh, I've noticed wheat as an ingredient in sour recipes and wheat beers as the base for most styles, too. I have been brewing gluten-reduced beers for a few months now due to the misfortune of having celiac disease. My question is, would a base beer with the wheat subtracted turn out a good sour, or is the wheat a crucial part of this style? I don't think it's a crucial part of the style. Now, if you want to make traditional sour beer, then yes, wheat is an ingredient in most of the recipes. But I'm actually, I'm really interested in um, making gluten-free sour beer. Um, I think it's got a potential to be sort of like the most flavorful of all the gluten-free beers you can make. And I mean, just thinking about it, I don't see why you can't make gluten-free hoppy beer. So that should be pretty flavorful. Hops being, you know, one of the main things that can add awesome flavor to a beer. But I think when it comes to yeast, I think sour beer is the most expressive. So adding yeast and bacteria to a beer, and that's where you get like the tons of flavor from, and you don't have to really worry about barley or wheat or anything like that. Sure. And I think that's great. In fact, every, every year I'm at JBF or the World Beer Cup, for me, one of the most exciting categories is gluten-free beer because there's always like a pretty good chance one brewery is going to sweep that category. No. I don't, I've never actually seen it, I don't think, but it'll be like bronze, you know, this brewery, silver, this brewery, and it's like, oh, and then, you know, someone else wins <laughs> gold or something like that. So is it just because like, yeah, you know, places have really figured it out before the next place figures it out kind of thing? I mean, there are niche gluten-free breweries. But, I mean, I don't see why not, why those beers can't be just as delicious. So, yeah, I think that's that's exciting. I'm glad you're looking into that. All right, well, we got more questions, but uh, let's go get some more beer. Okay. 
Before our break, Scott. Yes, sir. I wanted to just plug uh, hashtag HomebrewCon. Not NHC. Not NHC. I'll be there. I'll be doing a presentation on sour beer, a lot of, along with a lot of other great presenters. And it's going to be in Portland, one of the best beer cities in the world. If you haven't been there, great food city, great cocktail city, great other things city, too. But <laughs> I don't dive into that. Listen, yeah. you're allowed to say if you if you dive into it. I'm Which allowed you, to say uh, that? Yeah, because it's like legal now, isn't it? Oh, no, I wasn't even talking about oh, that. Oh, you were This was more like... Uh, like, I, let's just move on. <laughs> Talk about strip clubs. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that that topic is no stranger to this network. Yeah, mostly due to, to one particular host. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who won't be named Tasty? <laughs> Not surprised. Um, yeah, but great city, and uh, yeah, come out and have some beer. That's uh, HomebrewCon, and go to homebrewersassociation.org yeah, to buy H-A. tickets. Yep. Yeah. It's really a fantastic time. You you uh, you can't go wrong. And I have learned that I am I'm going to be busy. I guess preparing your speech because I just need to make some audio so you can just get up, I'm just play at, get to the podcast. podium, press yeah. play, and mm-hmm. go sit back down. Just drink beer, <laughs> sit in the audience, and <laughs> <laughs> You're like that guy's genius. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> All right, uh, break time. Yes, sir. Okay, we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Wheaton, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com. more of our great sponsors, Neshaminy Creek Brewing, three times Philly Beer Scene Magazine Brewer of the Year, two-time, three-time, no wait, two-time GBF Vienna Style Lager Medal winner, two times for the Bronze Smoke Lager, where you get some of that soon, I hope. Renovated Tasting Room, Variety Beer Styles, you know the list, Hoppy Double IPA, Sessionable Poundable Lagers, Oak Fermented Saisons and Sour Beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays. Brand new second location opening one year ago. <laughs> Check them out, com. Indeed. And one more, I want to thank our friends at smartbrewkit.com, the iDip. Don't let iDip go by. iDipping. The smart water testing kit incorporates a revolutionary photometer system. I love Bush. <laughs> That I've, I'm cringing so <laughs> hard right now. 
Uh, we couldn't let that gem, uh, that gem of a live read, just roll by without replaying. You guys know what to do. Enter code <laughs> TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. The best part is you even pronounce photometer incorrectly. Like I like it. Yeah. yeah. A revolutionary photometer system. You finally found the right pronunciation and you just had to be, had to be in song form. Oh there my you go. God. Smartbrewkit.com. That's, you know, one of my reservations about doing this show when mm-hmm. we started mm-hmm. was like, I'm, I'm going to be talking for hours. Right. And, you know, it's only a matter of time where there's just like <laughs> something I say and I'm, I just regret it for the rest of my life. <laughs> or, or sing. And that time is now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we uh, crossed that threshold here. I love Bush. <laughs> Thank you, Beef. Bevo gave up years ago. <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> the amount of embarrassing content is, it's too much to really worry about. Yeah, I was muted a second ago, but when you said Sorry. that, I was like, oh, welcome to my life 10 years ago <laughs> when I literally danced on a stripper pole. It actually yep. happened. Yep. That was back when you were just listener Jay. It was the listener Jay. Do, do you remember that episode? Vaguely. Yeah. Truly, like, the finest moment of my life. Like, <laughs> I want to die. One day, I'll it's be awful. like Bevo. And there's, like, all these terror, like... It was a long time ago, so there's all these, like, I've seen um, video of, like, cell phone video, yeah, but it was, phone. like, flip phone, and it's all pixelated, and yep. I'm like, well, if you, s- Good times. you really can't tell that's me. It was in, God. it yeah. was in, uh, not only, you know, 2000 and whatever before smartphone, 2008, I think that was, but it was also in the dark uh, garage slash Studio A. And so, yeah, the grainy, actually, the only reason you can even tell what's happening is because you were wearing a red, sexy Santa outfit. And Santa. The, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the, the red of the outfit is really decipherable. You and, know, the, with the white trim. Right. And we were so, like, low budget then that Justin couldn't figure out how to play the music without me having headphones on. So I have this cord, <laughs> like, I'm tripping over. And then Schumann came out, and he danced, and I was like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> I, I can more readily picture Schumann. I think there's more footage of Schumann than there is of Oh, yeah, because I was out. I really had their priorities mixed up back Good then. Time. Good times. Yeah, Beef did have we'll this thing where she would just yeah. do what Justin said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she still kind of is afflicted by that. I don't know what that is, disease. Yeah. Are we waiting on a phone call? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening, Mike? How are you, man? Hey, how are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for the uh, question, and thanks for calling in. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually not currently uh, watching live. I just got home from uh, work, so I'm not sure if you guys actually read the question yet or not i'm not sure we where did you guys are in it. we did and i think we had a couple of uh follow-up questions one was so you theorized that you picked up some gravity from the i think it was blueberries yes and now you're at uh 1018 but i was wondering do you have a gravity from before the blueberry edition no see that was the poor choice i made of not taking a gravity reading thinking that I would just come all the way back down to somewhere in the ten oh four range, and that didn't happen, so it was a poor choice. No, for sure, no problem. I mean, and you you got a lot of detail in the email, so um, my recommendation was to maybe even try. I mean, you might have added like a lot of yeast at this point, so you may even want to rack into a new container if you can purge it. But is to try to prepare the yeast you add with like a with some sour beer so i said you know this is something from the 
Dr. Matt Bachman show, the uh, Chase Healy American Solera show. There's also a blog post on the Rare Barrel blog about something called terminal acid shock, bottle conditioning preparation. And I think you can do that with the beer you have now to see if it'll ferment out. And it just basically involves adding a little bit of sour beer in the presence of some extra sugar to see if the yeast will re-ferment. So that'd be my recommendation and see if you see any activity and any drop in gravity from there. And uh, if not, you're, you're thinking that even though I'm at like still four and a half Play-Doh, that no movement means I'm probably good to go? I'd still mm. be nervous. That's, yeah. that's, that's really that's on the high end. Um, so I don't know if you have the ability just to put it on draft or not. Yeah, so I do. The, the only thing that really, really sucks about that is, you know, the beer came out, like, fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking, like, probably one of the best beers I've, I've made. I was really hoping to get it into bottles, but as soon as I saw the 1018, I, I knew I was dealing with some, some major issues. Well, why don't, you, why don't you force carbonate it and then bottle it from the keg? Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Do you think do you think I need a beer gun though? Because it's a sour beer, I have to worry about purging the uh, oxygen out of out of the bottles. I mean, ideally, you'd have like a like a counter pressure filler because if you're going to fill it carb, you don't want to lose too much carbonation in there. Um, I know those are expensive as well as the the beer gun, but if you feel like you can get enough carb just doing uh, filling from a tube or something like that, then. That, that could work if you're thinking about like sending out to a competition or something like that. I have to ask a stupid question. Why would filling bottles off the keg after force carving, why would that solve the problem? Well, the yeast isn't re-fermenting any of the residual sugar. Right. And one of the problems is you want to drink it. So force carb it and keep it in the keg. That's it. Well, that makes sense. But then why would filling the bottles off of that keg now, because mm-hmm. the problem with that high gravity is potential bottle bombs, right? Yeah. Right. So why would it? Why would that solve the problem if he's now filling the bottles off of the keg? All the yeast is dead in there. So I mean, he I brought it up to seventy in, degrees, right? and it's, no, there's no movement. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. So you said all the yeast is dead in there, and I agree because you know it seems three years of, of stress and hell, but there is that champagne yeast in there. Now I know champagne yeast. I think generally doesn't um, ferment out. Uh, wart more so as much as as it would the fruit uh sugars so is that still is that still an issue i'd have to um worry about is that champagne yeast that's already in there like yeah might it might it come back alive and create a problem i i wouldn't it, it's possible I mean, most of it's fucked out too yeah it's possible you could rack off of that but it's sort of like now we're going back and forth between hey this beer will not do this. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, let's kick it. It's like, oh, but what if it does this? Right. You know, it's like, well, it doesn't seem like it's going to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't, like, store a whole ton of bottles indefinitely at room temperature or anything, but serve it on draft, fill a few bottles, throw those at, at cooler temperatures, too, and then, yeah, if you want to send it in for comp or bring it to a friend's house to share, then you've got bottles, basically. Mike, how much of it is it? Is this a five-gallon batch? So it's a three-gallon batch with the blueberry puree. You're probably looking at two and a half gallons at the most. So I wonder, is there any merit to uh, taking, you know, maybe just one gallon of it or something? I mean, we're already we're not dealing with much beer, I guess, but but splitting some of it off, uh, you know, t- racking it off of all that, uh, you know, troop or whatever it's sitting on, and trying other 
re-fermentation technique since there's like so much sugar in there? You could, but if I remember correctly, this is already a three-year-old beer at yeah. least before the blueberry was added. That's what he said. So yeah. I would say no more manipulations, just save the beer and drink it. Gotcha. Um, if you need to make it a portable thing, then you could fill growlers or fill bottles, whatever you want to do. But, you know, just make sure you can enjoy the beer, I'd say, at this point. One, one last thing. So, so what about, you know, some real thick bottles at... Um at, like you said, uh, cooler temperature. I have a keezer that's sitting at, you know, 41 degrees at all times. I feel like, I, you know, I'd be more comfortable as long as I keep the bottles in there. Do you think that's, um, you know, on the right path with that? Oh, yeah. There's always the 1% chance that, you know, we'll do something crazy, but 99%, I would say, that's going to be just fine. Yeah, and at least it's a key contained at that point too it would just be at the bottom of the keezer <laughs> yeah yeah on your own property <laughs> i mean there's nothing to say you can't there's nothing to say you can't just fill bottles whenever you want you don't have to like fill 20 bottles tomorrow you know if you're not going to drink 20 bottles why not just yeah. keep it in the keg good point awesome well congrats on uh you know finding a way to uh, make that beer even better and yeah. enjoy it yep all right thank you guys cool Appreciate thanks for it. calling mike thanks, for mike. sure all right, uh, let's move along to... I emailed you a question. Oh, thank you, Beeve. Let's see. Here is a question from FB. From Kent. Yeah. What would you say? Please. You thirsty? What should I get? I forgot. Danica, what's on do you need here at the studio? <laughs> I can wait. I can wait. Here. Thank you, Danica. Kent writes in and says, Hey, Bevo. Jay mentioned kegging Hi. the sour at 1018, the Mike's beer we were just talking about. Uh, Kent says, I kegged a quick sour fermented with SO4 and Brett C. What is that? SO4. It's like American Hill East. Oh, okay. Dried. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and Brett C. Uh, at 1007. I'm really happy with the beer, and I was thinking I would love to bottle a few to age and also submit to some comps. The beer held at 10.07 for two weeks before kegging. I carbonated to 2.4 volumes. I'm thinking if I store at room temp, there's a chance the Brett could go back to work on the residual sugars. Thoughts? Is it too risky even in heavy gauge bottles? That's Kent from Ontario. Yeah, good thoughts. Is it Ken or Kent? Kent. Kent. Thanks for the question, Kent. Hard tea. Kent Hard T. Yeah. New nickname. Four T's on Kent's name. New nickname. Hard T. <laughs> um, yeah, good thought process. I think, first off, there is risk. I mean, you have 10.07 left, so that's enough for the bread to continue to work. Go ahead, keep it at room temp. Do you say how much volume he has? To the carbonation? Like, no, the total, total volume of the batch of beer. Oh, uh, um, he doesn't no. say. I, well, let's assume five gallons. So maybe I'll just briefly go through what we do at the Rare Barrel, which is probably impractical for this, but it'll give you some context. Um, we wait for, and this is going to sound crazy, but we wait for 0.1 Play-Doh stability for six weeks. So that's like right. way more intense than... 0.001 of specific gravity for two weeks yeah. by a magnitude of something. If I was good at math, I wouldn't know what that was. But <laughs> but that's that's our standard for like a persnickety commercial brewery. And, and then maybe you are looking for a little additional re-fermentation with the Britannomyces after the fact. So what I would do is go ahead and do that, but be very careful and check on those bottles. So by that, I mean open one up every two to four weeks or so and see not only are you picking up additional carb, but are you picking up additional Brett flavor um, that you want? 
If you gauge bottles, that's good. That gives you a little wiggle room. But yeah, just keep an eye on the the top end of that and you should be okay, but be careful. Good luck, Kent. Uh, well, yeah. we have lots more in the mailbag, but I think it is about time for a show break. Before we do that, Scott, yeah. can Bevo pay off the random thing she looked up? The 20, what is 20 yes. fingers doing now? That's right. Where are they at? So I searched and... Uh, They're all married to guys with huge wings. <laughs> Unfortunately, Wikipedia doesn't delve that deep into their lives. Um, they're like, they're DJs. They made a couple songs for Destiny's Child, but okay, whatever. That like seems pretty big. Beat producers, you know? Basically. Yeah, okay, sweet. Yeah, that's about you it. You seem disappointed in that. That seems like a good second act. Well, I think that the, the most important, the most interesting thing I discovered was the girl, the main singer. Her name is Babby. Babby? I thought it was Barbie for a second, but there's an R missing. Hmm. That's a weird one. Babby. Babby. This has been Tidbits by Bevo. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll bring it back next show since she's a co-host now. Get ready to look something up. I wonder uh, Nailed it. if, uh, so 20, you know, they, they had that song. That was the, the radio hit, you know, short. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the radio edit was short, short man instead of short dick man, you know. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's like uh, like TLC and their uh, uh, No Scrubs mm-hmm. where they're, they're sort of uh, protesting too much. And what I mean is... TLC in their personal lives married and dated exclusively Scrubs. Uh, and so I wonder if, like, these, you know, the, the 20 Fingers ladies uh, were just, you know, they, anyway, you yeah. can extrapolate from there. They have a second single called Lick It. Oh, you gotta lick it before we <laughs> kick it. You know, I cannot believe you guys don't remember these songs. How about this one, Bilo? That, that has been more information with Beverly Moore. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. See, now you're going to be, now this sucks, you're engaged in the show. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's your mistake. Should we sign off to this? Sure. I'll just find a way, because I'm that good. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks to all the listeners out there. You gotta lick it. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to Scott and Bevo. Thumbs up. Until next time. Stay sour. Bikes and beer. Bikes and beer, live from Fort Collins. (laughs)